In the following live session recording, Ken Gabriels, Dean of Music, Truett McConnell University in Cleveland, Georgia, talks about telling the story through effective choral ministry. In this session, the listener will hear the top 10 rehearsal ideas to take your choir to new heights. Your choir is part of the proclamation ministry of the church, and the presenter talks about meaningful helps to improve your choir's effectiveness. Let's join Ken now. It's, uh, it's, it's good to be with you. Uh, what John's basically saying is it's been really hard for me to hold down a job. <laughs> and I've actually had people ask me that before. I said, look, look at your resume. Look at all those things you've done. You can't keep, you can't keep a job in one place. And I have to remind people, we were in New Orleans for 20 years. Okay? That's a pretty good long time. I was at a single church bivocational for 16 years. That's a pretty good long time. And uh, we were in Oklahoma serving there for uh, eight years. And would have served longer except uh, the Lord just kind of rekindled a passion to get back in the classroom, which I wasn't doing at the time. And so he opened this up here, and we're grateful to, uh, to be in, in Georgia. I've known folks in Georgia all my ministry life, and of course John Duncan and I uh, share Oklahoma as a, a background and kind of a foundation for us in ministry and in music. We, we know a lot of the same people. Sadly enough, we know a lot of the same people. <laughs> Uh, and so John's been a good friend for, for many years. Uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity uh, to just talk about with you, and, and that really we're just going to share, and I'm not sure why you're back, because I'm going to share some of the same things, so except, uh, except the, uh, the, uh, the title given here, I, I think it's wonderful, is that idea of, of choir effectively telling the story. That's so really what we're talking about with Go Georgia. We are storytellers. Um, and so we have to think about uh, many things when we, when we think, what's the story we tell? Well, we'd say, well, it's the music we sing. Well, okay, that's good. Well, if that's really all you can say about it, you better be really good at picking out the right music. <laughs> uh, you better pick out uh, music that, that your, your choir can effectively utilize to tell the story. Because sometimes we hear a song and say, man, that's really good, and if you're not... Uh, really looking at that piece, it may be something your choir cannot use as an effective tool to tell the story. And so uh, there's just so much that goes into you being able to tell the story through your choir. But I would submit that telling the story through a choir is almost as, there's almost as much that goes into it with how they present themselves. Um, the, and, and please understand, uh, it's a dirty word sometimes we talk about performance. Um, and preachers don't always like to hear this, but uh, the choir has to perform at such a high level um, that the message is what comes through. Not that we're ooing and aahing over their performance, but that the message is, 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 is what comes through. And I'll just take, for example, we just heard a phenomenal sermon. Uh, at our five o'clock time, did we not? Yes. yes. And I would submit to you that everything he did on that platform, there was an element of performance. Sermon delivery is a performance art. And let's not shy away from that. Okay? Performance is a biblical um, understanding. The Levites were set aside by God to perform certain tasks. 
and they had to rehearse for those, and they had to carry them out precisely for them to fulfill the role that God had given them. And if, if we're to tell our story, we have to think about what we do as performance art. Um, I asked the earlier sessions I did this morning in uh, Church Music Georgia, uh, so what is a choir? Because every once in a while somebody will ask, well, you know, in my church, I really only have eight or nine people that come on a regular basis, and, and seven are women, and the, the one man who comes isn't sure what he's supposed to do, and is that a choir? Well, the, 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 uh, the dictionary definition of a choir is a, a group organized to sing. Okay? So if you've got a group that comes on a regular basis, and you are charged with leading them, and their responsibility is to sing, that's a choir. Um, somebody brought up in an earlier session, it's, uh, and there's some academic proof to this, uh, it has to be 12 people mixed without the aid of sound reinforcement, holding microphones, right? Mm -hmm. We think of holding microphones as more ensemble. And, and I would submit there's some truth to that. Uh, the idea of a choir is that we're figuring out, we're learning what our voice, how our voice responds with other voices. When you're using sound reinforcement, there's a certain element of that, that that you're giving that control to somebody else. How my voice fits with my wife's voice is now at the, the, the kind of the whim of whoever's running the sound. Because they have an ability to, to ch tweak some things, change some things. But if it's just the two of us up here singing in an open space like this, now I've got to listen how my voice affects, and she will tell me many times, you're too loud. Big mouth, close it, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> but I have to be sensitive to that. Okay? So that, that is an, an element of choir singing. That's why I was talking before about putting my choir around a room and having them sing their part. I've got all the space to fill, but listen to the, the voices 40, 40 feet away from them. We don't normally get to do that in our settings. Um, so there's an element to that, and, and, um, and that's what we, we do when we gather together whenever you have your rehearsal time. So a group organized to sing. The organization of that group is up to you, and we usually call that rehearsal, right? What do we do in rehearsal? Now, I, I want to share with you, and again, I did this earlier, uh, just again, the purpose of a choir in the church. But I'm going to ask you first, what, what, in your years of, of working with choirs, what do you believe the purpose of the choir in the church to be? What is the purpose of the choir? To help lead in worship. To help lead in worship. Very succinct, something we all understand, to help lead in worship. Now, who are they assisting in this? If they're helping, who are they assisting? I guess the worship leader. Okay, the, so the primary worship leader. By the way, that's the pastor. You, you do know that, right? Uh, we don't think of it that way. But, and most pastors, for some reason, don't think of it that way because they've, they've pushed that off on the music guy. Not very scriptural, but they have done that. Uh, but we need to be teaching our choir that if, if our role is to help lead in worship, we are also helping the pastor mm -hmm. as primary worship leader. And if we have a pastor who doesn't quite understand that, in our sharing life with that pastor that he begins to have that same uh, understanding. I worked with a pastor for many years uh, 
and we had great conversations about this, and we kind of struck the balance where uh, we, we thought of him as uh, the worship host. He was that person who, who uh, began this experience of worship together by his opening words and statements, and, and he would then kind of guide the process that uh, we would go through for worship, and he was that one, just like in your living room, there's a host, and you have guests over, you have people invited in, or somebody who's hosting that time. It's not the music guy, yet for some reason we keep throwing that off on, on the music guy, and um, so we would share that responsibility at times. Okay, so we have this, this uh, purpose of the choir in church to help. Uh, anybody else have any thoughts about the purpose of choir? Okay, and let me say, I, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, it's Andrew, okay. Uh, I, I, this is me, and it, it, maybe it's just because I've been doing this so long. I, I would submit that the actual leadership uh, in worship is a, um, it's a byproduct of our true purpose. It's something that will happen when we're able to fulfill our true purpose. And so I, I just share this, and we're going to unpack it a little bit. Uh, the, for me, the purpose of choir is, is very easy. To worship God in spirit and in truth, utilizing um, artistic choral uh, let's see how do I put it? artistic choral expression in rehearsal and performance. Now I'm going to unpack it just a little bit. Worship God in spirit and truth. We we kind of understand that. That's what we say is a. Our scriptural understanding, when Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well, he said, uh, uh, you worship in that mountain, uh, we worship uh, in Jerusalem, but when God delivers, God brings all things together, those who worship him will do so in spirit and in truth. Okay, paraphrase. Uh, in music, we kind of talk about spirit and truth uh, as a, we kind of make some equations there. We spirit that, uh, that, that, uh, that provides emotion or that gets deep down inside of us and it has to come out, if, if, especially in choir setting. Truth, we think of text, the songs, that, I mean the, the words that we're sharing, the story that we're telling. There has to be truth in that. So we, we can kind of see that, how it fits so well with what we do in a choral or choir setting, uh, with what the true definition, what Jesus said, uh, worship get to the heart of worship. But we utilize, the tool that we utilize in choir is artistic choral expression. And I use those words very carefully. Expression we can understand. It's something that if I were to, to put 15 singers up here in front of you, uh, I would uh, I would have demanded of them, and I, please don't understand, I'm not a I am a demanding, my wife would say, you are. Um, I, I do this in the most loving way, okay? They have to do more than sing right notes and right words. They have to be able to express what it is they believe on their faces, in their bodies, in how they respond to the, the, the stimulus of music. And so there is an, a certain expression, but it's also a vocal expression. 
how you use your voice, uh, the mechanics of singing. And by the way, uh, you as the leader are responsible for teaching that. And what you don't know, you have a responsibility to learn. Uh, going to workshops, reading books. Um, I gave, uh, and he, his name badge has turned around, and for some reason I can't, James? No. Jeff. Je Jeff. Jeff. Jeff asked me after a session, I don't know why he came back tonight, but he asked me after a session, what, what are some books I can use to think about that? And, and so, again, I was able to provide that, but he wants to learn more of what that means. So expression. Uh, choral, um, again, has to do with the art of group singing. Uh, there are some absolutes in choral singing. Um, if you, well, I said the, the, the most important thing is, is that you work for musical technique, vocal technique. Um, and that goes very deep into how you form your vowels, how you produce your sound, uh, how everything is shaped internally to make that sound happen. There's so many things that go into chor the choral nature what happens. And the reason for that is because when I, when I use my voice to its full potential and somebody standing next to me uses their voice to their full potential, God does an amazing thing. He brings us together. However, if I'm not able to do someone in your choir is not able to do that, they may be distracting in what they're producing. And those distractions are something that we have to be uh, ready to, to help with. Uh, so choral. Um, is that the uh, art of singing together. And then artistic, in the sense that um, artistry is an interesting thing. Um, 30 years ago, 40 years ago now, when I started, um, we had one language uh, of song in our Baptist churches. We had one hymnal that everybody shared. We had one, two, or three publishing houses that everybody bought anthems from. And they all sounded the same. Okay? And we, said, we keep coming back to that saying, oh, the good old days. Mm -hmm. I, I'm so grateful we live in right now because the wealth of music and style and expression is amazing. Now, is there junk out there? Yeah, but there's been junk through the history of church music. Mm -hmm. That's why we don't know any more about it because the church has this wonderful way of discarding that which they can't use anymore. Okay? Thank you. But those things that are that are solid, they're still there. They keep coming back to us. But we're in a wonderful time today when the expressions are so varied. Uh, to me, artistic has nothing to do with the genre. Okay? It has to do with your ability to share the story. Um, artistic is in the way you present something. Think of artistry, a painter. Okay? We recognize artistry in certain things. We may not like some things that we see painted, but we can, there are certain things we can recognize. We may not like certain styles, but we can recognize artistry in how that performer uh, does that. I, I, this morning, uh, Newsboys was on uh, Fox and Friends or something. They did the, the morning thing. Uh, I love some Newsboys songs. I'm not a Newsboys fan. But what I recognize is artistry. They do what they do at a very high level. And they practice to do that. And they take it seriously. That's artistry. We, we need to celebrate that. But what does that mean for us, artistic choral expression? 
It has to do with the choral art and how we express that. So we utilize that, but we do so in rehearsal, which we're going to talk about, and performance. If you, uh, if you tell your choir in rehearsal, choir, we're here to get ready for worship, you've just said the wrong thing. We're not here to get ready for worship. Worship isn't Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. Worship is choir rehearsal tonight. Worship for you as the leader, I often say, when does rehearsal start? Rehearsal begins the moment you select a piece of music to be used. And if that's true, then you need to start working. If you can't pick a piece of music and see how, how God can use that in your life and in the life of your folks and your choir and cannot begin worship at that moment with that piece of music, Mm, we're, we're kind of shortchanging this understanding of worship. I'm the Harold Best fan when it comes to uh, a, a book he wrote called Unceasing Worship. It's that idea that worship is continual. It is a, it's a process of life. It's the process of breathing. Can you worship because God gave you breath today? Yes. Can you worship because we're together in a place like this? Yes. But we're not singing a song. How can we worship? You know, so please understand, and your choir needs to hear that from you. We're here to worship the Lord tonight. Now, it's not a worship service. That's different. There are elements of a worship service that don't happen in choir rehearsal. But there is worship that takes place when we share spirit and truth in our choral experience. So don't shortchange your choir on that. They have to understand that we're here to worship. Um, and then performance. Like I said before, I don't shy away from performance. Uh, performance to me is a biblical mandate of those of us who are set apart to do something in the service of the Lord, as the Levites uh, were commanded to do. So shying away from this, this idea, well, you know, uh, choir, that's a, you know, there's too much performance there. And we hear that today. You may not hear it as much. John and I hear it quite a bit with the things that are going on in some church music circles. Uh, one of the, the justifications for doing away with choirs in many places is because it's too much performance. You're spending too much time to do it. And, of course, John and I argue all the time. So it's okay for you to perform at a high level at the piano, the keyboard, the guitar, the drums, and you're practicing to do that. And then the vocal harmonies, you're practicing to do that. Is that not performance? Is there not an element of performance in that? And it falls on deaf ears because they're, you know, who they are. And, and so it's an interesting thing that goes on. Now, I will say, um, I, I've said many times, I'm... 20 years ago, I, I could argue there were some reasons, I, I could see reasons why young pastors or pastors would go to a new church and they would hear a choir uh, or the group that was organized to sing. <laughs> um, and they would hear them over a few months and they would begin to think, is that really adding anything to what we're doing? Is that helping me lead in worship? And I'd submit that many times it doesn't. Because we've not been stressing artistic choral expression. We've been kind of either we don't know how to do it or we, we've shied away from it because it's so hard. Folks, it's hard work. 
you don't help your choir grow in their artistry unless you do it over time and you consistently, in every rehearsal you get together, there's some things that you have to do to make this happen. Now, you're going to find, and I have found, there, there's sometimes people will say, well, you know, I don't, want, don't know if I want to work that hard. Okay, and I'll say to them, I fully understand. Then there's something else that God might be calling you to do. But choir is hard work. Singing your story is hard work. And I, and I really have, a few times I've said, uh, do you expect that the pastor doesn't do hard work in delivering his sermon? And by the way, if he doesn't, he needs to find some other vocation. Um, but we, our responsibility is, is just as important in, hard, in making sure that we're doing this uh, through hard work. So that's, uh, again, this is, more just, this is more than just about the exercise of right notes and right rhythms and right words. Uh, it's a mindset that when these folks come together for this organized event, first of all, they understand it's worship, and then they understand that they're going to have to work. And that's what I would want. That's what I want the choir at Truett to do. That's what I want a church choir to do. When I'm doing interims, they know they're going to come to work. We've got some things to do. We've got to get it done. Okay? So then we're going to talk some more about uh, some things you can do. The, the exam, I mean, the uh, little description said 10 things you can do uh, for rehearsals. Um, the first one you can do, if you want to write some of these things down, and remember, when does rehearsal start? since we, we're defining things. When does rehearsal start? The minute you select a piece of music. Well, I've selected two pieces of music. Now, I don't know that I have enough copies for everybody, but uh, I'd love for... <coughs> somehow you get those, okay? One of each, if you would. Now, I don't know that I'll get to both of them, but uh, I want you to have them. Okay? So, the minute you select a piece of music that you say, this is worthy... Uh, this is going to assist us in telling our story. Okay, uh, you, you have one there called uh, "I've Put My Hope in God." You see that? Is that not a great message? Is that not your story? Okay, um, I, I just I got to say this little chorus. Uh, I want you to look, if you get it there. I want you to look on page five. Page five, uh, down at the bottom of the page. First time the choir comes in on this chorus, backing up the solo here. Uh, Man, it's awesome. I've put my hope in God. My only hope in God. When all of my plans are shifting like sand, I run to the rock where I can stand. Now, is that not a great story to tell? For your congregation, who are you singing this for? By the way, you're going to say, "Well, you're singing it for yourself. This is your testimony." A choir also has to sing a message either to the congregation or on behalf of the congregation. In this case, they're singing it to the congregation, but you're assisting them in sharing their story because some of them get this. Yeah, I, I've done this. Okay, but now I've just selected a piece of music for you to do. I've given you the piece of music. And we don't have a piano, and I didn't say, now let's all sing parts together. Did I? None of that. I've given you the piece of music the first time. You ready to sing that chorus? Here we go, right on the melody. Ah, that's our first note. And go. I've put my hope in God. My only hope 
higher unto the rock where I can stand. Now, okay, we had some harmony starting to build in. That's fine. But why not start with just the melody? Isn't the role of the bass, tenor, and alto in a, this is called a homophonic setting. We're all singing the same rhythm, the same text at the same time. Their role in homophonic music is to support the melody. It doesn't mean they're not heard. It just means that they have to understand the melody is dominant here. They need to know where that melody is. So I didn't ask you to do parts. But if you've got some choir members who jump on a part, unless they're completely wrong, let them jump to the part, right? So we've already learned them out. Now, I did notice something that not many of you were putting the same amount of energy that I was putting in here. Okay? Why is that? Well, because I'm sitting down, and we're at a conference, and I don't really do that, and I'm not sure what, you know. Well, I want to give you freedom right now. Okay, stand up, please. Here we go. Let's do that same thing. Now, if you got to dance, by the way, this is a great song to introduce the idea that you can actually clap on two and four and be right. This particular chorus, everything, every rest happens on two and four. And you sing to every rest. I put my hope. Now, stop. Listen. It's not. I put my hope, which is what your choir is going to do because they see the notes stopping. It's not sing to my snap. Sing to your snap. Everybody's going to snap together. Ready? I put my hope in God. My only hope in God. Hear it? Did you get it? Did you clean it up? Did you feel that? We just did a rehearsal. And all I did was introduce the song to you. You're standing. Some of you are snapping already. Your body's trying to, kind of moving with it. Rhythm's an interesting thing. Okay? That's our rehearsal. Thank you. You may be seated. So, what did I do? In selecting the music, first thing I did for you was selecting the music. I started thinking, now, how can I help my choir experience this song? I did that from the moment of selection. Not, oh, that's a cool song. My choir would really like to hear that. They'd really like to sing that. What, how is it going to help my choir tell their story? Uh, again, this is something, just a, a thought about selecting music. Uh, I encourage this uh, a lot. When I was early in the ministry, I grew up in a church where it seemed like we did a new choir piece every single week. I don't know how you afforded it. Uh, so you had 52 weeks of the year. Choir sang probably 50 of those weeks. You always took a couple weeks off. Uh, but you had at least 45 new pieces of music because, man, we couldn't repeat anything. You didn't want to repeat stuff. You, you can't do that repeat stuff. And I, I maintain one of the things I love about uh, understanding choral artistry is the more you repeat something, the more artistic it becomes. And your choir needs to live in a song. The first performance of a song, usually by a church choir, is is not nearly as rewarding as what the third and fourth and fifth performance of that song is, as long as you continue to work the process. Uh, I'm not saying do it five weeks in a row. Hear me. But I am saying do not throw that. If you say that that song is great for my choir to tell a story, it's great six months from now, it's great nine months from now, and it's great on that end-of-the-year concert when it's one of the, the 15 best your choir has done that year. By the way, that's something everybody should do in a choir setting at some point. Um, 
So picking music is extremely important, but you have to select the right one for your choir. I don't know your choir. I don't know what voicing you have. It could be that you can't do much more than unison singing because of the parts you don't have, right? The voices you don't have. Could we not, this group right here, okay? Now I know you realize you're singers, that's a little, a little bit out, but we're making music with unison singing. Acapella unison singing. We're, and, and if we took a little time with that, I'll bet we could do some, some fun things with uh, how, how we form the words, how we use the vowels, how we use the diction to, to propel this intensity of sound. That's all artistic choral expression, by the way. How the words come across to the congregation. I, I'm sad for a congregation when they sit and listen to a choir. You know why? They only get one shot at it. The choir gets six weeks, or however many you should, by the way, do six mm -hmm. weeks. Should do six weeks. Okay, uh, but they they get all this time, this this life, and I, I tell the choir that all the time. Aren't you sad for the congregation? Okay, they get one shot at it, but it better be a good shot. And so that's why I put my hope in God, my only hope. Could you? Wouldn't you like to have ten singers up here doing oh, something yeah. with that? Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. unison. That may be all you can do. Oh, they can't even hear. Well, um, yeah, unless they've got some hearing loss, they can hear. Um, there's just, just many ways you can do it. Add a second part. Now, some of you added harmony, right? So we knew somebody was reading the part and listening for how the harmony was built. Let that happen. By the way, one of the things we don't do very often that we should do more of is, is teach a few things every night by rote, which is what I did with you right there. Okay. If I'd had the words up on the screen, you could have done, easily done what we just did and be very successful in it. You didn't have to see the rhythm to know exactly where that syncopation was after the rest. And you didn't even know it was a syncopation. I put my hope in. That's a syncopation because it pushed B3 out of the way, basically. All right? So a lot of things to do when you select music for your choir. That's when rehearsal begins. That's when your worship begins on that piece. Your choir needs to know that. Um, so the second thing uh, you do, uh, you can do here, is you need to study. This is you again. You're talking about talking about rehearsal, right? So we all thought that's the 6:30 time on Wednesday night. No, it's your responsibility to study every aspect of that piece of music before you get to the first rehearsal where you introduce that music to them. Okay. Now, the more you do score study, the easier it becomes. The more you live with your choir, the easier it becomes because you, you get to start getting a sense of what your choir has difficulty doing and what they can do well. The first time you introduce a piece of music, pick something you know your choir can do well with that piece and do that, and pick something that you know they might have a little trouble with and do that. You may not sing through the whole piece. Uh, yesterday <coughs> in Corrales, first of the year for us, I introduced four new pieces. You don't normally do that. Uh, the day before we had sung, we'd done two pieces we did last year, and so all the new kids coming in, they had to hear it. Uh, but we did four brand new pieces, and I selected two, three pages of each one of them to do. And on each one of them, I did something from memory. 
but it's the first time they'd ever seen their music. And I, I do that a lot. We'll sing songs like I just did. Uh, I say, now you know that. We, you can sing that. Put your music down. Oh, no. Yeah, put your music down. We can do it. We're good. Um, but it's your study of the score that allows you to do that. If your study of music has been that I've listened to it a few times, I've listened to, I've listened to that Lifeway recording, which, by the way, is horrible for choir. I'm just going to tell you right now. It's not how your choir is ever going to sound. Uh, and again, I, I don't, they're good recordings. They're digitally enhanced. They're auto-tuned. They're all good things. But it's not how your choir is going to sound. It's not a good choral sound. It's not a live, it's, there's not a sense of, of presence in that recording. And most of our uh, publishing houses, that's what they're doing now in recording. That choir you hear is 8 to 12 singers enhanced. There are a few publishing houses that are utilizing good choirs. Uh, Beckenhorst still does that. And, um, and so there are still some, but very seldom. So if you play uh, a piece, if I, this piece right here, if I had said, well, here's the life recording of this, your choir is never going to sound like that. And, and I would say, don't use it. You may use it to hear the piece, to hear the energy. But again, very seldom, it, you may not even have the instrumentation they've got. You may not have the rhythm section. You can feel the rhythm section in this piece, right? That's that mm, push gospel feel. Ah, I love that. You may not have that. Does that mean you can't use the piece? Why not? I could do it a cappella right now, and, you, and you'd sing it with me, and we can put just as much rhythm in it. But see, we get locked into the sound, and then we start throwing music. Well, we'll never get that. We'll never do that. And, and we start discarding things. So your study of the score um, is extremely important. Uh, this is... Um, well, look at the other piece just a minute, uh, because the rhythms in uh, I Put My Hope are pretty static. That Once you, once you get those, uh, the feel of that is pretty static throughout. Uh, the other piece that you have there is um, a setting of the text, the one day when we all get to heaven. He, the, um, the, the Redmonds here kind of use that as a jumping off point. But if you look through this piece as I'm studying it, there are some rhythmic devices that are happening over and over and over. Okay? The syncopated 16th note, that, uh, that the masking of the beat. Now, why, is, why would a composer do that? And again, I go back to 30 and 40 years ago, publishers did not accept music that had syncopation in it. In fact, if you decided that as a composer, I want that syncopation in there, the editors would say, no, they can't sing those. Those are too hard. And they'd take them out. They, they flattened they flattened every syncopated rhythm the the most they would do and this is the most they would do is a dotted rhythm it's the most they would do okay it was mostly quarter notes and half notes in four four time very seldom did they like to use six eight music because people didn't quite understand the dance involved with that at least for the church publishers that's again why I'm glad today so many have just said okay we're going to publish it all now, the rhythm, though, in here, everybody looks at this and goes, oh, man, my cars, they're not, they're not going to get that rhythm. They're not going to feel it. Well, I'm going to submit to you, they're going to feel it if you feel it. They're going to perform it if you can perform it. Now, when a composer or an arranger uses syncopated rhythm, what they're doing is not, is not a device 
for the syncopation itself, they're using it to, to emphasize text. So whenever you see that, that little first little thing down at the bottom of page three there, make every. You see the 16th note there that's tied across? What is being done right there textually? They're emphasizing what? Everything. Okay? They're not de-emphasizing the word make. But rhythmically you say, well, that's short. That doesn't mean they're de They're just simply throwing you through the syncopation. They're throwing you into the inflection of the word everything. Because the phrase is, one, uh, one day you'll make everything new. Okay? Did you hear the everything? Did I de-emphasize make? No. But I pushed into everything. And if you were to speak the text and really give it life, one day you'll make everything new. Everything is the high, the high part of that text. One day you'll make everything new. Look at that rest. Do you see that rest right on beat two? And here's another reason why you're using a device. And you need them to have that device. One day you'll make everything new. That's the rest. Because they're going to stop that sound, right? They're going to say, well, the word's done. They don't, read, they don't read rhythm as movement through time. They read rhythm as tied to the word. Well, the word stopped. It was N-E-W, and it stopped before the, the note stopped. You see that? So you've got to give them some reason to hold that. And you could say, well, I'm, I'm going to conduct it. Well, they're not watching you. <laughs> They've got to have some device to do that until the point where they will watch you. This is the functional part of conducting. I, I could do another session on functional and impressionistic conducting. We'll leave that for another time. But, but you've got to give them something that says this is the life of that rhythm. Now, that rest right there, this is my score study. Right? That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm studying the score. Why did the composer do this? Why? You know, they could have tied the word Jesus because the, the thought is, one day you'll make everything new, Jesus. Right? Could have tied it. He didn't do that. Why? Why did he make us do that rest? Was it to breathe? No. Has nothing to do with breath. That rest has nothing to do with breath. Are you going to breathe? Yep. So, and again, in choral music, a rest is part of the text. A byproduct of a rest is the possibility of breathing. It's not always there, but it's the possibility of breath. But it's a byproduct of text. So what's he trying to do with that rest right there? What? Emphasize Jesus. Is that not what we do when we tell our story? One day you'll make everything new. Jesus. Now I have time to set up that word and to use every part of the sound to make, to make it happen. Jesus. Do you hear the energy of that into the vowel and then that last part? And it's already your Jesus. Is that about at 816? I can't remember. Yeah. Remember, that's the energy of that. Jesus. Now that eighth note of S-U-S, there's a rest after, and we don't hold that. But listen to it. Jesus. It's so personal now to me. It's not Jesus. 
And we're going to get it out to you, all right? There, there are moments where that happens, but this is one of those songs that is not that fight for its song. This is, one day you'll make everything new. Jesus. Sometimes I, I will do this in chorale. We'll just, uh, it's time to keep a beat. Right here. Do it right here. Everybody go. Ready? Sing. One day you'll make everything new. Jesus. One day. And then whatever the next word. We haven't even turned the page. Now how much have we done in just two measures? Right? But if you look through the piece, how much have we helped fix? in the rest of the piece. Rhythmically, look and turn the page. Do you see the same rhythm, almost the same rhythm on the, at least the beginning of that? Same rhythm there. Not the same notes, but the same rhythm. Rhythm. So then you have, one day you will bind every knee. What's the word that's emphasized? Bind. One day you will bind every need. And that re-need, we need both of those notes, but it's to emphasize need. Every, uh, one day you will bind every need. Right? That's our emphasis. Then the next phrase, rhythmically, and again, I'm not, I'm not pressing a rhythm. By the way, um, there are three elements uh, at play here when we sing uh, rhythms. There's the rhythm itself, which, by the way, is simply movement in, uh, organized movement through time. That's all rhythm is. Right? Organized movement through time. <clears throat> and some choir directors... We'll take the band approach to rhythm. And they'll say, now, choir, we're going to do that rhythm together. And you may choose a, a, a you know, little syllable to use, ta. We're going to use ta on the rhythm. Or we're going to do the, uh, the staccato doot. Okay? Doot, 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 okay? doot, got Okay, we've got the rhythm. I, I'm, I'm one of those, I will do doots but only when it's sung and we're singing chords so that we're hearing something happen together. If you're going to teach rhythm effectively, never isolate it by itself. There's three elements, rhythm, melody, okay? and then the, uh, the actual tone that we're singing, the, the vowel that's being produced. So I, I need to do two of those three if I don't do all three. Okay? So here's the melody. Don't isolate the rhythm by itself without melody. But to do a melody, you've got to have rhythm. So there's two together. Now I'm going to add the vowels. One day, one day you will bind every need. Now I've done all three. So don't isolate. That's what I'm saying. A choir gets really frustrated, especially a, a church choir that doesn't really understand those rhythms. All they want to know is how can I be effective telling my story? Uh, combine elements of music together as you teach. So they feel a sense of involvement there. Uh, they don't understand rhythm. In fact, I've got uh, freshmen and sophomores in music theory that don't understand rhythm at college. And they get frustrated because I'm a rhythm Nazi. But uh, in, in choral singing, and I use that word, not, I shouldn't have used that word. In today's climate, I should never, now it's on a recording. Uh, <clears throat> disregard that, uh, okay. Um, but I'm, I'm just, I drive rhythms. But in choral singing, I do it because that's where the text lives. All the inflection happens because of what I do with the rhythm. So, your score study 
has to be much more in depth than that. It has to go now. That's a melody, so we're all singing the melody together. We finally get to parts somewhere uh, when we all know we're still melody. See, we're, we're melody all the way till page six where we finally add uh, ladies harmony there. Okay, so that was all unison. That's three pages we can sing all together, figuring out the, the rhythm and how it works and the inflection of text. Um, then we finally get to the harmony. So there's that score study. What is the, what am I doing with the, the chorus right here when we all, well, I notice the men have the melody. And what does that mean for the sopranos? <laughs> they don't have the melody. And now they don't like you because now that you've picked a song where they don't have the melody. And we're not used to that. And so immediately when I introduced this song, if I got to this point, I'd never let them sing all the way through this without saying to them, now sopranos right here, you do not have the melody. Men, here's the melody. And I'd sing the melody with the men. Sopranos. That's not your part. Don't sing it. Okay? And then we might go over their part one time and then put those harmonies together. Altos look at it and go, they look, they look at the sopranos and say, get your act together. <laughs> and sometimes, by the way, if they don't do that, I, I will say, I'll just make light of the sopranos. Sopranos, now you don't have the melody. Altos, look at, look at the sopranos and say, welcome to our world. You know, something that, that just gets that idea that we're in this, we're working this thing together. Okay? Um, You've got just a lot of things that happen in this song, little inner lines, the syncopations are a big deal in here. In your score study, you need to know that. You need to know what, he's, what this composer or arranger is doing with, to highlight the text. You need to go through the text with a fine-tooth comb for the inflection element of it. Uh, look at release notes, where they release. Look how you, the diction that's, that's needed. How you release something to breathe into the next phrase, okay? Uh, by the way, again, as a phrase is, a phrase does not end with a breath. All right, it ends because there's nothing else to do at that moment with that phrase musically. It's not I just stop the sound to breathe. And so think uh, like um, when we all and uh, I'm not even in a good key. I'm not going to get. When we all, when we all get to heaven, I'm singing on the page there, the tenor not. By the way, he ma they mask the melody. It's it's kind of in all the different parts at different times. Um, but the phrase, just because I heaven, what a day. Well, it didn't end with the rest. Heaven, what a day. That's that tenor line. Here's the rest. Heaven, what a day. Okay, that's good. You're going to say, yay, he finished all the notes. So okay, he got it all the right place. But I ended the sound with the rest. And I didn't think, where am I going to, how am I going to propel to the next phrase? And we've got to be thinking that. Your choir needs to hear you do that effectively over and over. So they get a, a feel for it. And you'd be amazed they can do it. About the third or fourth time they sing this song, it's going to be amazing. Okay. All right? Uh, moving on. So I've given you two. So you select the right music. Rehearsal begins when you start studying that score. And that is your responsibility. So we've not even talked about the time the choir has been together yet. So the first thing you need to do, this is number three, start on time. <laughs> I, I'm bothered by... Choir directors who say rehearsal starts at 
And they come wandering in about 6.35, and the piano player knows that uh, they're not going to be there until 6.35, so they don't show up till 6.40, because they're really in charge. And, and I didn't say that either. Um, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll finally get around to what we're doing. Okay? I, I'm, folks, time is too valuable in today's culture. You do that too often, they're going to say, I don't need this. But you start on time, and you're going to get everybody there coming in on time. Well, they're going to start without me. Now, you'll always have those people who are late just because that's their life. But uh, I will start. It doesn't matter who's in the room, what we're doing. Um, many times I've come to a choir rehearsal, and the piano player's not there. And it doesn't stop me. Just like, have we had rehearsal? We could have, I, we could have a full rehearsal. At Truett, uh, we rehearse four days a week. Every Thursday is a cappella day. Now, I am not a great piano player. Ryan, I love Ryan Showalter, a phenomenal piano player. And if I had his skill at the piano, I'd be great. I'd sit at the piano and we'd do parts. Gather around the piano, let's all get around. I can't do that. I can give parts and I can play chords every once in a while and, and help shape some things. But I have to give notes and then sing the parts and then do all that together. But I need them hearing vocally what's going on. And I love accompanists, but the piano is the worst instrument to sing to. Okay? It is. It's terrible for singing because it's a percussion instrument. And it has a certain attack. It attacks differently than the voice. Uh, it, has no, uh, the, it has no dynamic contrast within a note. It can only play a note once you hit it. That's the volume of that note as it decays. That's the loudest that note will ever. But that's not what the voice does. So the, the, the singers, your singers, every Wednesday night need to hear just the voices. Find something. Whether it's unison. I don't care if it's unison or two-part. Hearing just the voices. You need to hear just the voices. Our ear tends to go to what the piano player is doing. Okay? You need to hear what your voices are doing. You need to hear what you need to work on to teach the men how to do better with that sound. So I, again, I just challenge you, first of all, start on time. That's, uh, that's the big thing. And so if that means your piano player's not there, or, oh man, I can't do this because the track's not working tonight. Don't, don't get me going on tracks. But uh, not that I haven't used them or I discount them. They're a wonderful tool for churches today. I'm, I'm fine with but that's not rehearsal. That's just gang sing. Mm -hmm. That's just sing through stuff, right? That's not rehearsal. Right. So uh, start on time and do something right off the bat that gets them energized to sing. Now you're going to say, well, we want to start with prayer. Well, if you are picking music that's telling your story, didn't you just do that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, think about the text you sing. So you're discounting mm -hmm. the fact that uh, putting notes to, to text is mm -hmm. not prayer. I think scripturally you'd find some problems with that. Um, so I understand we're going to open in prayer, Lord, bless our time together tonight. Fine. But don't take, and don't do prayer requests to start your rehearsal. Okay? Start singing. Uh, this is byproduct of that. Uh, we, during, when I was in seminary, my major professor, he made us uh, do uh, an exercise, uh, and we had to report back to him. And so those of us who were leading churches, he told us to take a have somebody sit on the side, take a stopwatch, and they were to uh, time us, time the conductor, the director, 
on how much time, if it had an hour in rehearsal, how much time I spent talking versus how much time the choir spent singing. Okay? It was a remarkable thing because we found, I found, that I talked too much. Now part of that's the teacher in me. I'm always doing something with my voice. But I learned very quickly, you know, if we're here to sing, what's, what's a choir? A group organized to what? To sing. To sing. They're, not here to, they're not there to hear me talk. And I'm just going to say this with all the love in my heart. If you feel like in your choir rehearsal you have to share a long devotional, go teach a Sunday school class. If you're a frustrated preacher, they're here to sing. Now, again, as much love as I can get, I understand Scripture is, is, is where we live. It's, it's, we have to have that. But if you're picking music that's not related to the scriptural story, you're picking the wrong music. It's there. Okay? If you need to share a scripture as a reference to a piece of music, great. But, but watch out for those long devotionals. I, I know of people who do them. I, I don't know that I can give up time when I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to teach them how to sing. I'm supposed to teach them how to tell their story. That's what we're here for, right? So I, I just I say that, and I don't want to discount the, the things you do, the preparation that you make. Um, but be careful. You know, you know, pastors, great pastor preachers, spend hours and hours and hours in preparation to preach effectively for 30 minutes. And that's what you need to do. If you have an hour and 15 minutes with your people on Wednesday night, hours and hours in preparation to do that effectively and, and teach them to do it. They didn't come to hear you talk, right? I was say, for me, it helped me a lot, the devotional in, in the email. Yeah. I give them an email that has the order of worship, at least by Tuesday, so they've got kind of a, an idea. They, and if there's a new song they're not sure about, they can ask me and we can run over towards the tail end of practice. Right. But then I also put devotional in there because that saved me minutes, especially if I really feel it, I start sharing with them. Right. Yeah, I, yes, I'm not discounting that. There may be moments where that happens, but, but I, I've known some guys who did wonderful devotionals. In fact, there have been some who, who published books of their choir devotionals. And I, I'm going, well, how was your rehearsal? <laughs> how was your rehearsal that night? Um, so again, start on time, but start with singing. That, that's such an important part we do. Now, always start... <clears throat> With warm-ups. Uh-oh, now listen to me. What we just did with, uh, I put my hope. If we did it right, and we did it with energy, that was a warm-up. Okay? Because we're doing something that's getting the body, the voice, the mind ready to sing. That's what a warm-up is. We're coming from all different places around us, and all of a sudden we're now organized to sing, and we're supposed to be unified to do that. So pick something at the beginning of your rehearsal that allows your choir to warm up. It might be a vocal warm-up. Uh, I do those at Truett on a regular basis. There are certain vowels that I like to use, certain consonants that help. Uh, but, but most singers don't understand, most choirs, especially in church, don't understand the use of warm-ups. And so when we say, choir, let's sing, la, 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 well, that's the worst tone in the world. That's how you want them to warm up? Choir, if you're going to, by the way, never use an L, 
Well, that, that. Okay, never use it. And don't use an ah. Boy, that doesn't sound like my high school choir. Because we had to sing with three fingers in our, in our table. Ah, it had to be the ah, right? First of all, the ah is a very interesting vowel. It, it has so many modified uh, choices to make. Uh, and they're usually based on text, where it happens in a text. So it's a very difficult vowel to use. A better vowel is an E and an U, because they are more pure and more consistent in, in where we use them in our text. So if you're going to do something, you use an E or an U. Choir, we're going to warm up today. We're just going to sing. We want space. Look at my face, Choir. All we're doing is creating a space for the air to move. Okay? So that's a nice little easy warm-up. You can do that with a piano player playing half steps going up, half steps going down. Your basses love you when you go down uh, instead of up. A lot of ways to do that. But something that unifies them in, in some aspect of singing. If it's tone, use an U or an E. Because those are the tones that, that are most effective uh, in developing the voice. So do warm-ups. Uh, number five, that was four. Number five, um, I, I didn't mention this before, but in every, uh, in every, for a storyteller, okay, a really good storyteller, think of the layers of communication that are happening when somebody tells a story, a really good storyteller, okay? And then add music to that. So what are our layers of communication? If that's, what, if that's what our goal is, is to tell the story. Tell our story, tell his story. Okay? Think of the layers of communication. Okay? Storyteller, there's the visual. Good storyteller is somebody you want to watch tell that story. Many times, my wife's heard this over and over. I, I will say this to every choir I've ever worked with. You've got to tell the story like you were a Sunday, you were teaching Sunday school to fifth grade boys. <laughs> How do you teach fifth grade boys? You get in their face and you tell the story. Because otherwise they're gonna fidget and they're not gonna listen. Okay, so what do I have to do now? You're telling the story to fifth grade boys. You have to grab their attention. How are you gonna do that? It's visual. It's how I approach the text, how I approach the story. Okay? So it's visual. That's a layer of communication. Well, we've added the music to our storytelling, so obviously there's the layer, the musical layer of communication. What do I do with that? Uh, well, that goes back to the study of the score. Uh, these are the, the notes, the rhythms, the dynamics, the vocal line, the harmonies, all of the layers musically of that. But together, it's, the, it's that aspect of communication. It's one of the layers of communication in, in how we tell the story. Um, there's the textual. We've got to do some text study if we're actually going to tell us. And again, there used to be um, actors are, are trained in this, uh, in, in simply being able, every word they use and every uh, way they form their word, um, my wife and I, 
for some reason we've started watching uh, when we get a chance um, me TV do you know what me TV is have you seen this it's all the old shows okay Andy Griffith uh, and it's, I know it's not politically correct Hogan's heroes uh, and Bob Hogan was uh, what was his name I can't remember his real name but I mean he was a he was a reprobate, reprobate, but he was a remarkable actor in making this this part come to life. Carol Burnett show. I mean, her ability to use the face in in animation and just in talking to an audience. I mean, those are remarkable things. Those are trained. They're trained to do that. Um, and so, but that's all related to text. Every single word has a, a feel. Every part of a word has an inflection. And, and we've, we've got to think about that. Our study of the text is extremely important. Uh, and then there's the emotional layer of communication. So you have those four layers that, that I like to think about. And so here's, I, I didn't mention that before, and I, I didn't spend enough time on it because we're running out of time. But you need every night, this is the fifth thing, every rehearsal you need to work on every layer of communication in some aspect of the song. It might be the introduction of the song. You're working more on the musical, the initial musical aspect of that. But I, I gotta tell you this. If you wait until the last rehearsal before it's time to sing in church to work on the visual, it ain't happening on Sunday morning. Uh, if, if you wait till the second to the last rehearsal to work on the emotional, now choir, We've been working on it, now you've got to feel it. You've got to sing it with, with heart. It's too late. Because they've already established certain things about that music. So from the beginning, that's why I, I like the, one day you'll make everything new. They can do that right from the beginning. The face, the emotion. Now it's choir, what does that make, how does that make you feel? Let them respond to that. You know, life today is not that great. One day it's all going to be new. It's because of Jesus. From the beginning of your rehearsal, work on every layer of communication in some way. It doesn't have to be overt. They don't need to know it. You don't need to say, well, not choir. We're going to work on the visual right now. Okay? But you need to know that based on your score study. And the fact that I, and I will say that I, I try to do this every time I meet with a choir at Truett or a church choir. Um, we work on all of those elements of communication, some more successful than others. There's always some folks that have trouble expressing themselves musically. I, I, I have some kids at Truett that I know it's deep down in their heart. I'm still trying to get it out of them, right? Wonderful voices. And you can hear them working. You can, you can, I can see their mind working to make this happen. And I just have to sometimes get right up to them and say, Jared, I, I love Jared. Jared, are, are you going to show me what you're feeling right here? Uh, don't be afraid to do that. But, but they have to know that you love them, that you want the best for them in doing that. Okay. Uh, so that's, that's the fifth thing. And, and we've already worked on some packet uh, uh, elements of that. But work on every layer of communication. Um, the face uh, has to reflect the text in some way. Now, here's the wonderful thing about God's gift of, of, of choral singing, of singing, actually, is if your face is energized by the text you're singing, your tone is improved. And God made us that way. 
He made us as singing vessels. And it's not just the sound we make. It's how we look when we do it. Right? So your choir needs to understand their tone improves dramatically when they begin expressing that text, the joy of that text, um, whatever, however, whatever emotion you sense from that. Um, a choir, this song is, uh, this, this is a, a, this part of this text is, is dark. Can, can, can you sense that? Because over here, we start seeing the light coming through and we start sensing the joy of the Lord. But right here, we need to create something that, that really is related to this text so that we know redemption is coming. Okay? That, again, that's you working on that. But that affects their tone when they're able to do that. There's a certain element of that, that dark, I need a little taller vowel. I need you to think deep right here. So that when we finally get to this, we've got, right? So again, your score study. Um, and then like I said, never wait till the, the Wednesday night before you perform the piece to, to add all these things in. They have to be part of this process. I didn't say this before. I, I talked about six weeks. Uh, I, I don't know how far ahead you work. If I have an hour of rehearsal, I like to work six songs. And I'll do five minutes on one, seven minutes on another, 12 minutes on one that I'm really having to focus on, I'll, I'll plan it. I, there are many times I don't do all, all of a song until the last two or three weeks of singing that. And if I'm three weeks out, that's where I'm really, really focusing on putting it together. Two weeks out, I'm starting to wrap up some of those things. All the time I've been talking about all these things we're doing or, or expressing it. So that that final run through, hopefully, it's that five minutes that we need to really brush that up. And so Sunday morning we're going to hit it again and they're ready to do it. Uh, so the, again, that's the process of that rehearsal. Um, but if you have to spend 30 minutes on the Wednesday night working on the song you're singing for Sunday, it's time to find another song to sing for Sunday. Because they have just, you're done. I mean, they're, they're done with that. They don't want to spend 30 minutes on one song because they're not going to get what you want out of it. So, do you hear what I'm saying? We're just getting tired of this. And they're not going to do what you think they're going to do on Sunday morning. Find another song that they do really well and insert. Choir, we're not going to be ready for this Sunday, but I know this is the one you can do. Okay? By the way, that's being led of the Spirit. I'm just going to tell you right now. That's being <laughs> I'm not being, trying to be facetious on that. Uh, number six, have fun every rehearsal. All right? Now, some of this is going to be, well, you told me not to talk and sing more. Well, you can learn to share story, very short stories. Or you can actually ask somebody in your choir to share a story or a testimony. But say you only you have two minutes. And, and plan with them what that's going to be. But share life. That, that's fun. That's part of the growth process. Uh, I've told, I tell many people, I'm not by nature a funny guy. Okay? But I love laughing. And I love to find humorous things. I'm, I'm one of those who responds easily to people. And so I find, in every choir I work, I find an immediate foil. You know what the, the, the word foil means? Somebody you can push things off on. And so, I, I like I said with Jared before, Jared is one of those in my choir. If Jared's not quite doing one, and, and, and we'll just do it. And he knows that, that I love him, but we're going to laugh together 
at something he did, or somebody else. Okay. Now you have to, you have to pick that person. I, in every choir, I've always had that one or two people that I knew if something happened, we could laugh together around. And you need to have that. Now, you may be the funniest person in the room. And you may be able to share jokes. I could never tell a joke. Every funny thing I ever did was a response to somebody else's thing, right? Um, but you've got to laugh. You have to laugh during choir. If, you, if they're together for an hour and you haven't laughed at some point in time, I, I'm not sure I want to come back to your choir rehearsal. I, I, there's part of life that's just laughing. Now, the reverse of that, there may be some times that we cry together. Um, but we have to leave that knowing, ah, man, I can't wait to be back for that because that was a good time. Um, so laugh. Um, but, um, and I've already said this, this was number seven, but I already said this, make sure you have them sing more than you talk. Okay, uh, I already said that. Number eight, I've said this one too. I can't believe I did this. I'm not looking at my list. Mm -hmm. uh, share scripture, but not don't preach. I already said that. Number nine, move around the room to sing. We were talking about this one before. This is where we get this, this idea. And I do this every choir rehearsal. We do something with movement. Uh, with Truett, I, we, every time we stand, they spread around the room. They know they have freedom. In fact, if you were to see us sing, if we're in a choir loft, as soon as they stand, you would see them move. They would, they would get as wide as they could get. I want space between, unless it's you know, so compact we can't do that, but I want them to feel this space that I'm responsible for. Right? Um, but move around the room to sing. Set up your room in a different way. Uh, have them, uh, guys, let's all get over here. We're going to sing over here. Ladies, you're on your own for a little while. Guys, we're going to sing. Have them move. Do something that's out of the ordinary. If they're sitting the whole time, they're just getting really comfortable. Okay, As you've been for the last hour and 15 minutes. Uh, really comfortable. And I, I apologize for that. I've just had a lot to, to share. Um, but your choir needs to move. They need to feel that music is not static in one little spot that I have, that I have in my chair. Um, make them moose. And again, as I said, we're singing a, if you ever get a chance to sing in a circle or uh, you know, multiple circles, uh, it is a remarkable sound. Just sing something unison. Do it sometime and sing the doxology in a circle. In a stairwell. In a, well, obviously in a stairwell. I will tell you, uh, I took choral. I did the interim at First Baptist Church of Albany. And uh, I took the choral down there last in the spring. They have one of the finest uh, atrium foyer areas. It's this beautiful high peaked roof and it's all hard surface. And we stood around there and sang. We, we do a, we're doing a Latin prayer, uh, Ubi Caritas, last uh, semester. And just, it was after church service, and so we had people all around us. They were walking to get their kids. And I said, mm -hmm. choir, we're going to sing out here. They'd stop and let, it was the most glorious experience. Our kids didn't want to leave. They wanted to sing every every song we sang. Can we do that, oh Lord? Can we do this? I said, no, we're done. We sang to be Cotty Toss and Unclouded Day and something else. I said, that's enough. We're going to leave them wanting more kind of thing. But just glorious. But that's that in a circle singing, even if you say, choir, let's get in a circle around the room. We're going to sing our prayer together tonight.
Could be a song you sang in choir. Just, you know, some, I'm just, just throwing out things. And then number 10, I've said a little bit about too. Um, always in your rehearsal, repeat something they've done in the past. Because you put that back in their folder that it was something they loved. They can't wait to sing it again. And they see that in their folder that night. Oh, oh, I can't wait to sing that. Right? Isn't that happening? If you've picked good music, they can't wait. They love to see new songs. But man, they love to see those songs that have so much life for them. And I, I would say... You, for today, in today's time, you could make sure that every Wednesday night, every, every time you have rehearsal, you could have something in their packet they've done before. And that would be a success. You would know you'd be successful on that piece. Right? You, you, that's one thing you want. You want success every rehearsal. You can make sure you're going to have success if you bring a piece back they've done before. Some level of success. So, in your rehearsals, repeat some music. Uh, and then bring out new elements in that. It's, it's always fun. Uh, well, it's 8.30. Uh, I've killed my time. And uh, for those of you who had to listen to this on the recording, sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> um, I didn't even give you time for questions or comments. Uh, I'll stick around if you have those. Um, but let's close in a word of prayer and uh, I'll let you go. Father, we just give you thanks for sharing life together tonight. The joy uh, that we have in singing our story, singing our story to you, about you, for you, uh, we're grateful that you've called us to do that. Help us as we work in choirs, as we sing in choirs, to be the most effective communicators of that wonderful story. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.